Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So on Twitter, we've got Papa's Mind, who's writing, congrats on this news being dropped on the day of your podcast. We have high expectations for a good show now. <laughs> well, Papa's mind or Papa Le Frère, Arpin and I are going to do our best on this special edition of uh, the Basu and Gaudet Notebook. Special not because it's, I mean, it's Friday, so we were supposed to record a podcast, but it's special because of the circumstances with Sean Monaghan being traded to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the timing... The fact that it's done like so quickly after Lindholm might be surprising. The fact oh. that they were able to fetch a first-round pick might be surprising to an extent. But the destination, Winnipeg, is is not a surprise. No, it couldn't be less surprising, honestly. And and you know, Ken Hughes, we just finished listening talk talk to him talk to explain and said that the Lindholm deal that sent uh, Elias Lindholm from Calgary to Vancouver. Um, accelerated this process and the teams that were in on Lindholm now shifted their attention, basically how we all thought it would play out. So really, again, the Canadians, it's, it's worth mentioning, and I tweeted this after the Lindholm trade, but the Canadians really should send Jim Rutherford a gift basket of some sort. Yeah. Um, his tendency to kind of, to kind of jump the market and, and, and get things going early um, allowed the Canadians to make this deal when they did, uh, you know, obviously, You know, Sean Monaghan to the to Winnipeg Jets for their 2024 first-round pick and an unlikely but possible third-round pick in 2027 if the Jets happen to win the Stanley Cup this year. But really, the first-round pick, um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of angles to this that we'll get into here. But, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford doing what he did when he did it, which is what he always does, you know, whenever he's in a position to buy, he yeah. usually is the first one that sets the market uh, on whatever team he's running – Uh, did it again with this Lindholm deal, uh, sending the package that Vancouver sent, which is, which was obviously a far more robust package. Um, you know, just to recap for, for the listeners, maybe you didn't catch that, but the Flames got the Canucks first round pick this year, uh, two defense prospects, one of which is, is a bit more alluring than the other, Hunter Bruce. Davich, am I saying that right? Brustovich, yeah. Brustovich, yeah. So he's ripping up the OHL right now, puck moving, right shot defenseman, um, and another pick, a fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, a bunch of assets. And, oh, sorry, I forgot about uh, Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko. Who, who scored 39 goals last year. So, you know, Lindholm was obviously a far more attractive option, despite the similarity in their numbers this season than Monaghan was. Uh, but 
you know, I think we made it clear in the last episode how how unlikely it might have been based on past history for the Canadians to get a first round pick from Monaghan alone. I, you know, last year a similar trade would have required some sort of package leaving the Canadians. Uh, that didn't happen. They still got their first round pick. So I think Kent Hughes, again, owes some thanks to Jim Rutherford, but deserves some credit for pulling the trigger when he did because he got, he got what he wanted. What I, the first thing that popped in my mind when I saw the deal is, you know, the Jets, the Jets must have been on, on Lindholm, obviously, and, and Monaghan was considered plan B for all those other teams that were looking to add uh, at the center position. But I wondered if, you know, a team says, okay, we want to improve, we want to get better at center, mm-hmm. and we're willing to give this and that. And for all those teams that, that are ready to give up a first-round pick, it's like, is it a... Mentally, were they at a point, or, or Kevin Shalvaldeoff, was he at a point where he says, I- I'm willing to give up my first to get better? And even if it's not for Lindholm, but it's for the second best, if I want to make sure that I'm going to be the one getting the second best option, I'm fine with giving it up, you know, because it, it clearly it clearly set the market for, 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 for Monaghan. At least it helped define, you know, the, the, the parameters in which it, it would be uh, – that trade could be done. Well, so, I mean, I think every general manager in the league has a basic understanding of the laws of supply and demand. And so when the supply goes down, uh, the demand or the price goes up. It's it's pretty – so with Lindholm off the market, Monaghan quite clearly was the most attractive center option out there. I mean, Adam Henrique is out there, but at a far greater cap hit, um, yeah. which – Uh, even at even even if the Ducks were to retain 50% on Henrique, it's still more than Monaghan is being paid or Monaghan's cap hit unretained by the Canadians, which we'll get to in a sec. It's an important factor of this trade. Um, so when the center market is so thin, because after Henrique, it's, it's, it's basically non-existent as we speak right now. Um, and I think Ken Hughes was good to point out that, you know, at this same point last year, Matthias Ekholm wasn't necessarily on the market. And so the defense market didn't take him into account or Dmitry Orlov wasn't necessarily on the market and the defense market didn't really necessarily take that into account. Both those players fetch first round picks prior yeah. to the deadline, but late January, early February, um, that wasn't the case. So w- with the market being what it is right at this moment, Shevoldeyev obviously had to make a decision and had to figure who could become available between now and the deadline, that would be a better alternative to Monaghan. Maybe someone will. Who knows? Or let's take the guy that's available right now because right now there's he's the best possible guy that we could get to help us out. And so, yeah. And I think the Jets have had their eye on Monaghan for a while. It's been something that they've been monitoring for quite some time. And, and you know, I think his character is something that's appealing to them. You know, like a big, not a, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it, but part of the reason the Jets have turned around this year is not only what they've added, but what they've subtracted. You know, Blake Wheeler had kind of become a bit of a a source of negativity, let's say, in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we don't need to talk about what kind of source of negativity he had become. 
in Winnipeg. And so I think by bringing in someone who is so, uh, who has demonstrated in Montreal an ability to integrate a new dressing room and, and be well loved as a teammate, which he clearly is and was by his Canadian teammates, um, was probably a factor here as well, I would think, for, for, a, for a franchise that's sensitive to that, that's been through, you know, the Evander Kane situation and with Dustin Bufflin and, and Wheeler and Dubois and all these things that have kind of lining that have kind of messed with their, their chemistry. I think that was yeah. probably a, a, an important factor for them to consider. We've heard a lot about, um, you know, people saying, well, if, if you want to make Sean Monaghan your second line center at this point in his career, then you might not be a true Stanley Cup contender. But I think that the, the Winnipeg Jets are in a particular position because their set of wingers is so strong that mm-hmm. if you put Monaghan in between Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers, it's, it, you've got a lot, you've got a lot of raw talent there. A mm-hmm. lot of, of guys that, a lot of health risks <laughs> in all three cases, yeah. but, uh, but a lot of raw talent. So I think it's, it's an interesting bet because uh, they could not, they could not have remained You know, especially in the playoffs, going Shifley and then a collection of uh, Adam Lowry, which I, I like him a lot, but not as yeah. a second line center. Uh, Nemestikov, I think he's been used more on the on the wing these last few years, but he's not he's not a top six guy. Well, I think him uh, and Perfetti were kind of rotating at center on that line, sort of because yeah. neither of them can really win a draw, so it was, it was a bit That's of an right. issue. And because yeah. and Kupari just came back and he's not he's not a solution either, so. Uh-huh. Monahan really fits the bill there, so uh, I can understand why they were they, they were willing to pay this much. And for Montreal, I mean, it's look, it's 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 it, it seems so. At this point, we 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 enjoyed seeing Monahan his contribution to the Canadians, but let's not forget it was the Canadians got a first round pick to bring him on board, and they got another uh-huh. one to ship him out of town. So yeah, no, that, that's 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 quite savvy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they have, they now have four first round picks in the next two drafts. Two of them are courtesy of Sean Monahan. So it's like, it's really, um, it's really something, but I, w- I want to talk because I think this is, this is really the most crucial part of this trade. Um, and Ken Hughes, you know, we should, we should mention was pretty forthright in a lot of things. It kind of mentioned that there was no, he didn't really have the possibility of adding a first round equivalent prospect here. So yeah. that would suggest that, excuse me, you know, someone like Colby Barlow was off the table in, or Chaz Lucius was off the table in Winnipeg. Whoever else he was dealing with wasn't going to, what's that? No, no, no. Well, well my, uh, I didn't say anything. I was just reacting. I mean, you could add Rutger McRorty to that list. Well, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, that goes yeah. without saying, but yeah. many of those teams did not even have, A, a lot of interesting prospects to that that were the, the equivalent of those first rounders. You know, you can yes. think of of Colorado with Callum Ritchie, but I think that the Jets also had the most in- interesting pool of those first round equivalent type of prospects. And yes. yeah, but they were denied. But all yeah. of those prospects, arguably, well, just based on their draft position, but mm-hmm. even where they are now, are still worth more than wherever the Jets pick will land, which you know, is likely to be in the late twenties, mid to late twenties. So anyhow, so that, that option wasn't available according to Ken Hughes in, in any of the talks that he was having. So it was going to be a first round pick. Um, but the salary retention part is important here. And I think really 
the trade somewhat hinged on that in, in the sense that, um, you know, Ken Hughes suggested that maybe some of the teams he was talking to would have needed him to retain salary on Sean Monaghan to make the deal. Maybe that would have upped the price a little bit, uh, but choosing to keep that salary retention slot, their last salary retention slot until July 1st, he said they deemed that to be more valuable than whatever they could have gotten for retaining salary on Sean Monaghan. So the Jets, among the rumored teams who are out there looking for some help at center, Boston, New York, Colorado, uh, obviously Winnipeg. I mean, of those teams, there are you know, maybe a handful of others, um, the Devils, uh, Carolina, maybe. We don't know, but it's it's the Winnipeg had – was one of the few that had the space to take Monaghan and and not only absorb his whole salary, but still have room to do other moves afterwards. Yeah. So, so now the Canadians, you know, I mean, if people are like, I think you were reading a tweet earlier off air when you were like, well, now what do we do? You know, kind of thing. Like what's, yeah. what do we have left to do now? Sean Monaghan's gone. Well, look well, at Jake Allen, Jake, look at Jake <laughs> Allen. Look at, look at, a lot of other people on the team, like this opens this like there are possibilities that remain open for Montreal that would have closed had they had to retain salary on Sean Monahan. And so the fact that they didn't have to allows the possibility of a Jake Allen trade allows the possibility of a number of things. You know, there's still, there's still five weeks till the deadline, like things could shake out, you know, and, and where if you want to, I don't know, I mean, if Yul Armia keeps playing like that, although I, I can't imagine he will without Sean Monahan there, but it's, it's you know, if, if if there's any... Ken Hughes was asked about David Savart at the end of the press conference by Francois Gagnon. And to me, the market seems ripe for the Canadians to get a haul if they were ever to put David Savard on the market. And Ken Hughes kind of deftly answered the question saying, I can't say at this time that we are actively looking to trade David Savard, but things change. You know, he began that answer with a preamble saying, well, I'm always open to anything and gave like the hypothetical of if Connor McDavid became available for a trade, I'm going to try and put together an offer. But the fact that he's not shopping David Savard, you know, I'm just using this as an example, you know, they might not wind up trading him, but if, if teams, you know, if Chris Tanev gets traded, for instance, and, yeah. and, and there are a number of teams around the league that are looking at him, the teams that don't get him, are going to start looking around and seeing what's out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if teams started calling about the willingness to trade a David Savard. And now that you have, you still have that retention slot, even though it's not an exorbitant amount for David Savard, it's 3.5 million, but it's 3.5 million next year as well. If the price were to get high enough and you have to retain on him to, in order to pull it off, the Canadians that have that option. So it's, and again, that's, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but it's, it's a possibility that's open to them. And, and you can apply that same logic to a, a number of players on the, on the roster. Right. But I think that, you know, the, the, when he says that the, the retention slot is more valuable being used than another, potentially another player, I think that it would be, it would earn them more benefits to, to use it for Allen than for Savard. Because you could keep Sava and still get an interesting return for him next year, mm -hmm. barring any significant injury. Plus, they need and, him but, right now. And they need him right now. Whereas yeah. 
Allen, if they could move him, that'd be that'd be good. There are plenty of teams that are looking for uh, for for help uh, between the pipes. And uh, if if you can, if you don't have a, a robust enough market, just by offering him and shopping him around, well, say absorbing 50% of his salary all of a sudden makes him a lot more interesting because some of those teams, let's say uh, LA, well, they uh-huh. could then they could then add Allen and ha- still have some money to do something else afterwards. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm not the GM. Pretty awkward, that, uh, pretty awkward that LA has Cam Talbot at the All-Star game and he basically just lost his job to David Riddich <laughs> in LA. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> I know. My God, what a tailspin for that team. Huh? They just, they uh-huh. fired, obviously, the other big news today with uh, Todd McClellan losing his job. It's uh, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And uh-huh. that, that whole Pierre Luc Dubois thing has turned into a shit show over there, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's it. it we we had discussed that uh, that that issue about salary retention slots, and I think it was it was something that, considering the low salary of Monahan, this was a tool that the Canadians had that we can sh- we can offer you a quality sentiment without him being a burden on your salary structure. So. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was able, that Hughes was able to get a first round pick without retaining any money, that's even more impressive. Because yeah. because getting a first pick and but having to retain some of the salary would have been, you know, it was it, it had been floated around. I think that Pierre Lebrun had mentioned that, but now it's 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 the best of both worlds. They get their pick mm-hmm. and they they keep their retention slot open. So that's great. yeah. And I was actually. I was actually wondering, you know, when when it was Pierre LeBron who who broke it this morning that that John Monahan was going to Winnipeg without any terms, so there was this void of like a half hour or something where, where we didn't <laughs> yeah. know anything about the trade, yeah. and I was wondering the extent to which the Canadians' own second round pick in 2024 was involved because mm-hmm. uh, in order to present an offer sheet, the Canadians need that pick back. Now, yeah. I'm not saying the Canadians are going to do that, but maybe. You know, I would imagine that's what the Jets were initially offering. Because really, you're looking at a difference of like maybe 10, 10 spots in the draft between the Jets' first rounder and the Canadians' own second rounder. It wouldn't be that dramatic, 10, 12 spots different. Um, you know, maybe the Lindholm deal pushed the Jets up to their own first round pick instead of giving up that second rounder. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the Canadians don't consider it all that important to be able to present an offer sheet. Maybe they don't intend on doing that, but it did. I did think if that was, you know, maybe that was the pivot point, you know, when, when Lindholm got traded, when they accelerated things, maybe the jets, and I'm just speculating here. I don't have any actual knowledge of this, but you know, maybe they moved off trading Montreal, their own second back, uh, which ironically they got in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, <laughs> which uh, yeah. the Canadians avoided uh dodged a bullet there with that one. But um but yeah, so getting the first as late as it is uh, is a significant development, you know. And I wasn't convinced that they'd be able to do it. So kudos to Ken Hughes and 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 listen, like the the last two drafts, the Canadians have acquired NHL roster players in return for first round picks. Granted, the Doc trade was the Islanders pick, which was what, twelve or fifteen, something like that. Um, it was in that range. It was thirteen. 13, 13, yeah, 13th. 
um, and required moving Romanov and, and all that. But I mean, Newhook was a late first and an early second mm. that, that got the deal done. So this front office has shown it already shown a history in their first two drafts of being willing to part with picks to acquire young roster players that fit a certain age category. So even though the Canadians weren't able to get that player now for Monaghan, uh, doesn't mean they're not going to be able to use what they got for Monaghan and perhaps even what they got for taking Monaghan to begin with in order to acquire a player like that. Uh, because again, uh, you know, I don't know just how, uh, you know, the Canadians aren't going to trade away all their picks, but they're definitely open to trading away picks for players at this stage because they have, they have a lot of prospects and they have a lot of picks. Well, if you pick, if you trade, Two first-round picks, one in 2024, another one in 2025. Then it's a it's a different quality of player that you get, yeah. and and they can be looking at guys that maybe are are a couple of years older than than Doc and Newhook, mm-hmm. uh, or or guys that are earning more money. But I think they're going to we're going to enter a territory now with all those picks where they're going to get aggressive in trying to make themselves better rapidly. So, yeah, because yeah, the, uh, the first round pick of the the Winnipeg Jets being a late twenty, uh, it's not in itself is not going to be worth a ton. But you package it with something else, then it might it might become interesting. Well, I mean that that Flames pick in twenty twenty five, basically the only way the Canadians don't get that pick, and again the conditions on that pick are mind numbing. I love. I don't know how many people refer to. Uh, the site Pro Sports Transactions, but they have a, a, a registry of all the picks that are traded. And uh, for this pick, the Flames pick in 2025, the header is pick may or may not transfer depending on absurdly complex conditions. <laughs> then, really? Then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then it has a whole paragraph to discuss the conditions. But basically, if my understanding is, anyhow, it's, 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 it's highly likely that the Canadians will either get the flames or the Panthers first round pick next year in 2025, most likely the flames. Um, so, you know, that pick with what's going on in Calgary risks being decent. I don't know how far down Calgary is going to go between now and the 2025 draft, but you're not, that pick probably won't be in the twenties, you know? And so it's, no. uh, or could, or might not be in the twenties. So you're looking at some pretty good assets here. Um, And if you look at the Canadians sort of hall of draft picks, yes, it's a lot, but now they have two firsts, two thirds and two fifths in 2024 to go with two firsts, two seconds, two thirds and two fourths in 2025. So, uh, you know, I don't really care much about the three seventh rounders they have in 24, but that, and even if you take out the fifth rounders this year, but you have two firsts and two thirds plus two picks in each of the first four rounds next year. That's a lot of ammunition. Yeah, to be active on the trade market. And I think that's exactly what the Canadians intend on doing. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, if we go back to the trade itself and I mean, 24 hours earlier or 36 hours earlier, it was Elias Lindholm going from Calgary to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's easy to say, well, this led to that. Um, but to which extent, to, to which extent do you think that it was correlated? Was it more in the, in the value that the Canadians were able to extract for Monaghan or is it more? in the timing of it, because I find it very interesting. You know, you were, you said, you started by saying how, uh, you should send a, 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 a flower basket, a basket of flowers to, to Jim Rutherford for, for doing it so early in the season. It mm. gave the Canadians the luxury of time to build a market and make sure that they, they get the <coughs> best value that they, they can for Monaghan. And yet they, they didn't waste even a day and they, They moved on right away. Listen, so I, I think that the, the, the timing of the whole thing is really interesting. Well, and Ken Hughes was asked, you know, is with Sean Monaghan's injury history a reason why you did not wait? He denied it in the sense that, you know, they had no questions about his injury history. That's when he mentioned, you know, the fact that Edmondson was injured for most of the deadline period last year, how Ekholm and Orlov presented themselves as options late in the game and how that affected the market. Mm -hmm. He gave all sorts of reasons why this had nothing to do with Sean Monaghan's injury history. I would take him with a grain of salt on that. I mean, I think it's fair to say, and he said, listen, there's always a risk of injury with any player it's fair to assume that there's a bit more of a risk with Sean Monaghan than there is with others just because of his history. And even, even though last year had nothing to do with his hips. And I talked to him about it early this season, his hips have never felt better. He really does not have the hip issue. The hip issues are behind him as far as he's concerned. Yeah. Uh, but it just happened to be that he broke his foot. The foot led to a torn groin and the torn groin is actually what prevented him from being traded last year. And so I think there is some of that, some of last year's experience that stuck with Ken Hughes and said, do I really want to push my luck? And because how much more was he actually going to get for Sean Monaghan? He was going to get a first round pick. They were good. It was going to be in the similar range of pick. Like, it's, you know, the teams that are involved are all probably in the top five to seven in, in the league standings. We'll probably finish somewhere in that range. Are probably going to be a similar pick in terms of value or quality mm. um what else how much more could you possibly get and counter that with who else might present themselves on the market that would actually diminish that value and 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 prevent you from getting a first round pick so i think the fact that the timing turned out the way it did is uh there's a lot of factors here i think the injury risk was one But just getting the price that I think Ken Hughes had in his mind that he wanted, at a certain point, if you get it, you just got to be like, all right, I got what I wanted. Let's move on. And let's yeah. and that's and 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 not retaining salary again, as we mentioned, allows them to 
to further continue to 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 collect assets between now and March eighth. Yeah, I, I think it's, had he waited longer, uh, maybe that con- like continual showing the level of play that he's shown in the past month, let's say, mm-hmm. probably would have enabled the Canadians to get a B-level prospect on top of a first-round pick, maybe. But, maybe, yeah. But the risk of seeing him injured in the meantime, and we brought up in past episodes how recently he's been he's been out of practice, you know, he's been getting treatment instead of showing up for, for practice. It yeah. becomes a red flag once it starts happening too often. Um, the risk was there. And probably mm-hmm. that at some point, if you don't want... Are you going to be greedy and and risk losing the option of that first round pick in order to get the B level prospect that the Canadians might not need really? You well, know, who has not, more uh, who has more B level prospects than the Canadians? Oh, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, and they had, I think they had at this point determined that if they were not able to get like the type of prospect that they were looking for. That they had moved on and but it's also it's not just the canadians that pulled the trigger at this point it's also the jets that mm-hmm. that decided to be aggressive and say this is our offer today so and i think i look forward to hearing from kevin chevel uh, kevin sorry kevin chevel day off in about uh, an hour and a half from now he uh he might shed a bit of light on that but it's uh I think there was also probably pressure on the side of uh, of the Winnipeg Jets to to act quickly well, to make sure that they wouldn't fall behind and they end up empty-handed at the end, you know. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, who else who else was interested in Sean Monahan has been interested in Sean Monahan since last season. Uh, it's the Colorado Avalanche, and who has their first-round picnics this year? It's the Colorado mm-hmm. Avalanche. So, Colorado Avalanche and the Winnipeg Jets and the Dallas Stars are fighting to finish first in the central um, with the prize being that you don't have to face one of the other teams in the first round of the playoffs. That's going to be a, whatever that two, three battle is in the central division. That's <laughs> going to be a tough series. That's going to, that's going to be the best series of the first round. I would think. Yeah. And avoiding that has a certain value and there's going to be, there's going to be an arms race. So then, so they jumped up, you know, they, they had to, they had to be decisive here. And so, You know, good on them. And, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff has a reputation of being a, a highly methodical, perhaps overly patient general manager, but um, didn't hesitate in this instance. And probably recognized, again, that the market as it stands today, this is the best option that that's available. And could that change in the next few weeks? Because teams are going to fall out of the race. And if some of those teams decide to throw someone else in the market that no one expected, then yeah, maybe you could get, but now, excuse me, the jets have Monaghan. They give him an extra five weeks to sort of acclimate himself to his new team. Um, I think it's a good move for Winnipeg, you know, like they have, and it's not like they're bereft of prospects. Like that's the thing with Colorado is that if they give up their first round pick, they don't have a second, they don't have a third um, and they don't have many prospects. So uh, it's, probably a tougher decision for them. So Winnipeg recognizing that and saying, listen, we have a decent prospect pool considering where we are in the standings. We can pay this price. Let's just do it and, uh, and get the guy that we want. So yeah. I wish more GMs were like that, you know, stop, 
stop waiting for the deadline and, and, and waiting and waiting and waiting, hoping to extract that one little extra asset, turning a fourth into a third or something. You know, when you get the guy you want at the price you go, you, you were willing to pay, just do it. Yeah. And so kudos to Shovel Day off for doing that. The Boston Bruins are probably in need of another sentiment, but they don't have their first round pick. They have a depleted uh, cupboard of, pros of prospects. And they've got a hard money. And they money have, and they have no cap, cap space. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it, it'll be very difficult for them to get better, uh, to improve at the deadline in in that situation. So mm -hmm. it might be a money in, money out type of situation. Uh, other teams probably are would have been in the mix too. I, you could easily find six or seven teams. I mean, Colorado could improve. Uh, sorry, Carolina could improve down the middle. Uh, yeah. Washington, if they think that they have any chance of making the playoffs. Uh, Toronto, uh, the Rangers, obviously, but those yeah. are all Jersey. those are all difficult teams to uh, to to deal with, you know. So uh, for, oh, from money, money money's tight, and money yeah. is tight. Yes, so um, you know, I think, and and I thought, you know, maybe we'll just close on this, but it, it, you know, Ken Hughes made a point of mentioning that you know he spoke to Sean Monahan. Basically, when all the rumors started flying around, to call him and say, "Hey, the rumors are true," <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone kind of, even Sean Monahan himself knew he was going to get traded, even wanted to get traded, according to you know, sort of Ken Hughes talking about the contract negotiations over the summer to bring him back for a year. Uh, he's going to be missed in that room, you know. I think you just need to hear. Speak to the un intangible qualities of veteran players on a rebuilding team. Like anytime you asked your Slavkovsky about Sean Monahan, like his eyes would light up, you know, and it was really just how much he enjoyed talking to him on the bench, asking him questions about certain things and, and their discussions of their previous shift, especially when they're on the same line together, but even when they weren't. Um, your Slavkovsky loved that guy. Cole Caulfield took like 10 minutes after the trade was announced to to sort of give a shout out to Monaghan on his Instagram story. You know, he's, he was a really, really well-liked presence in that room. And in that sense, he's going to be missed. Uh, and just from a pure hockey sense, he's going to be missed. You know, I mean, Ken Hughes mentioned that Alex Newhook should be back shortly yeah. when he was asked about the current center depth on the team, which suggests that when he does come back, Alex Newhook's going to be back at center, which was not a very good Uh, experiment at the beginning of the season, you know, obviously necessitated by Christian Dvorak's injury, and he's also injured again now. So I guess we could expect Alex Newhook to come back as a centerman, which uh, is not ideal, but, you know, it, we all knew. It will do. It will do. It'll do. It'll do. For now. Exactly. I mean, his, yeah. his longer term, his longer prospect with the Montreal Canadiens to be a winger. But mm. I think that for the time being, the fact that he's got that versatility, this is a situation where they need him at center. That's where yeah. he'll play. Basically, I mean, he's not this, the same centerman that Monahan is uh, on many aspects, but it's going to be a status quo. They'll have the same number. It's not as if they lost a centerman because they'll have, they'll, they'll have Newhook as third-line center, they'll, and they'll keep rotating those guys brought up from the Laval Rocket probably for the rest of the season, you know? So I yeah. don't know if it's well, always he'll be going second, to be... He'll be second line center, really. I mean, if... Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Of so, course. Yeah, yeah. And obviously yeah. Evans is there, but it's, yeah. So it's, but again, just, you know, it speaks to, uh, just the lucid nature of this front office. You know, when Ken Hughes at his midseason thing kind of said, our plan won't change regardless of what the team does. We're going to continue on our plan, our long-term plan of making this team better in the future. Uh, it's difficult to hear, but like, you know, Nick Suzuki watched that press conference that day. <laughs> and while much of it was in French, and I think that specific line from Ken Hughes was in French, I think Suzuki understands enough French to understand what Ken Hughes is saying in French. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I spoke, you know, speaking to him after the game that night, you know, it's hard for him to hear that we're going to be sellers. So I hate, I hate selling at the deadline, but it's up to us to put management in a position where they decide not to sell. And no matter what happened between now and March 8th, that wasn't going to happen this season. And, and, and Hughes made it clear. I mean, that night the Canadians beat the Avalanche for crying out loud. Like it wasn't as if, you know, they went out and beat a top opponent, but status, you know, the, the plan was going to remain in place. Now they've executed one part of it. And by not retaining salary on Sean Monaghan, I think they left themselves open to execute another part of it between now and March 8th. So all told, two first-round picks come here thanks to Sean Monaghan, and the Canadians remain open for business between now and March 8th. So I think on all levels, this is a win. You can quibble over whether they could have gotten more for Sean Monaghan. I don't personally don't think they could have gotten much more. Um and now uh, you don't have to worry about him getting hurt between now and March eighth. So I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to like about this deal for the Canadians. That news though makes uh, Nick Suzuki's weekend even worse than it had already started to be. <laughs> so, you see his sad face during that draft. I know, I know. <laughs> like he's just sitting yeah. there. He's like, "Am I going to be the last pick? Am I really? Am I yeah. going to be in that group before?" And you know, sad puppy face. Sad puppy face. All my buddies are in are on a beach somewhere, and I'm here. Waiting to be picked last. Yeah, I think uh, I think he would have taken the beach after uh, you yeah. know after a few appearances at the All Star game. I mean, he put on a brave face uh, yesterday because I was in I was in Toronto uh, for media day mm-hmm. regard, you know around the the All Star weekend. But it's uh, I'm sure that for some guys, it's clearly they're super happy to be there. Others they could do without, and yeah, Sidney Crosby skipped the draft and decided to go skate on a an, on an outdoor, outdoor rink in Montana, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and show in up full, at the very last minute possible in full equipment. I found that weird. He's alone yeah. on an outdoor rink in full equipment, but that's besides the point. But anyhow, so I think you know, I think Nick's is like Nick's reaction that night is probably echoed among his teammates in the sense that they hate being yeah. in this position, but. You know what? I mean, if, if if Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon play their cards right, maybe this time next year they won't be in that position. Um, but it'll be up to them to to show that they merit that. And you know, it's it's. But for now, this is a good return on Sean Monahan, and 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 for Sean Monahan's sake, let's hope things go well in Winnipeg. He can have a strong playoffs for them and come out with a really good contract. But the other bit that Ken Hughes mentioned is that you know, based on where they are, like to all the people who said, oh, we'll just sign Sean Monaghan, you know, Ken Hughes admitted based on where we are, we could not offer him a reasonable contract uh, with, you know, with our future being cloudy as it is right now. Like they don't have a clear vision of what they'll be in the future. So they couldn't offer him a reasonable contract, which again, 
to me, it's going to be somewhere. The floor for that contract is four years, five million dollars a year, probably higher than that on a money on a money basis. Um, National Monaghan has an opportunity to go and get that contract somewhere. So yeah, good for him and I, good for the Canadians. I didn't think I didn't agree with you at first on that, but then I went to look at the comps and yeah. It's, That's what he's looking it's at. Definitely, it's definitely at a five million range. You look at the yeah. the other guys that that got you know that were in his position in terms of of age and becoming a UFA and that's. Yeah, that's a lot of those sentiment uh, who had a, a roughly. If you look at all those that were, let's say, that were able to get between three and a half million and six, and mm -hmm. between four and six years, it's all guys like Brock Nelson and and uh, you know you, you had Pejul that was some time ago, but yeah. he he looked well, favorably Cop compared to all those guys. Cop yeah. and Comfort, yeah, yeah. My God, that's so, a, that's a law firm. Uh, yeah. So that those, uh, Monaghan cop and comfort would be a good yeah. LLC. So, so he, he looked, he looked favorably compared to those guys. So that's why, yeah, it might be, it, it would be too rich for the Canadians and actually it would make no sense at all. Yeah. So probably won't make sense for the jets either, but I mean, that's it's the price of doing business. So, um, but I think honestly, from everyone's standpoint, from the jet standpoint, from the Canadian standpoint, from Monaghan standpoint, this is, This is a win all around. Um, of course, Monahan has to perform for the Jets for it to be a win for him, but I've, I'm pretty confident he will, uh, and he'll be an, a welcome addition to that dressing room, a veteran presence uh, that will contribute there. So, yeah, win-win-win is what you're really looking for in any trade, and I think this is that. Yeah. Lose, lose, lose is what's going to Canadians going to do the rest of the season, though. <laughs> There's going to, we're going to see a lot of sad faces to, towards, you know, there's 32 games less, uh, left. It, it's going to hit the morale of that group. I yeah. mean, Mate St. Louis has got a lot. 33 games left. 33? Yeah. Mate St. Louis got a lot of work to do to uh, keep the spirits high and, and make sure that his guys uh, stay on message and they stay uh, with their eyes on the prize. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up there. This is uh, sort of a quick, because honestly, Marco Antoine and I have to write about this trade now, so we wanted to get this out of the way. But thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday. We'll bring Future Friday back next week, and maybe between now and then, we'll see. Uh, we'll take a look at the NHL draft and see what this pick might mean uh, if the Canadians decide to use it to draft a player. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll be back on Monday. A reminder that Monday it will be our mailbag segment. So if you have questions for the mailbag, you can email them to Basu and Godet at gmail.com, or you can send them to us on X or Twitter at Basu and Godet. Um, so until then, have a good weekend. Marc-Antoine, it was yes. nice talking to you again. Yes, always pleasure to be always uh, a pleasure. Uh, talking. <laughs> yeah, talking to you is always fun. Yeah. All right. All right. See, see you, everybody. Bye-bye.